Hello and welcome to the latest edition of our MEP Life with me, Caroline Voden. And me, Judith Bunting. And this week we are in Strasbourg. Uh, there is a general election going on. Judith and I have been working really, really hard, uh, travelling around our massive regions, um, supporting candidates and PPCs and uh, campaigns at home. But this week... We're back in Strasbourg with all our uh, Lib Dem colleagues because this is voting week, which is why we're in Strasbourg. And actually, we've been doing some really important stuff this week representing Britain in Europe and um, showing why it's important that that we are MEPs and, and that we need to be here. Yep, this is what you elected us for, guys. We, we're voting on legislation and um, European Parliament opinions and resolutions. And this week, we were electing the Commission. Or confirming the commission, which sounds very uh, like we didn't have an opinion. But getting the commission to this point has been massive. It's taken months and that's because every commissioner is put forward by the elected leader of their country. Now, I might not like Johnson, as you probably know by now, um, but the UK did have a right to put forward a commissioner. They've chosen not to, which I happen to think is foolish, but they had the right to. So these commissioners have all been put forward by the member states. And then um, us as as, MEPs have had the opportunity to grill them. And it's been very interesting. Uh, And three of them fell at the herd, the MEP herd. They were rejected. So three of them were rejected and their governments had to find um, replacement candidates. So it has taken a while. Yeah. and finally, yesterday, they all came into the plenary and Ursula made a speech. And one of the things she has achieved, she tried, she set out saying that she was going to have the first ever fully gender balanced commission. And she did actually sort of fail at the last hurdle because the French commissioner designate who was proposed was a woman and she was rejected. Um, and the French proposed another woman who would have been fantastic, but she didn't actually want to do it. She didn't want to come to Brussels. Um, she had a good job in Paris. So in the end, the French uh, commissioner is is a man. So it's not quite gender balanced, but, but it's actually almost. it's almost there. And yeah. in comparison to... We've been seeing some photos recently of some of the uh, boards and committees, um, particularly in the financial area. Um, just astonishing, you yeah. know... Um, what was it, Christine Lagarde? There was a photo yes. of her sitting around a table with about 25 or 30 men in suits and she was the only woman yeah. there. So I think hats off to, to Ursula. She's she's tried really hard to make this work and she almost got there. So, And it is good. It's great to have... Um, we heard from Margaret Vestager, who is the commissioner who's looking after digital. And I'm loving that the women are just being taken for granted in all areas as well. Um, Kadri Simpson, who is... Scandinavian. Um, she's looking after energy, and they're in good positions. Yeah, These are important areas. So portfolios. Yeah. So um, it's going to be a very interesting commission. I think somewhat more um, ambitious, I suspect, than the last one. Mm. What do you think? I think ambitious, and I think Franz Timmermans, who is has got the Green Deal portfolio. He's a he's a sort of. How would you describe him? He's a, he's a Dutch socialist. He's strong. He's you know he he's a big man with a big voice and lots and of very clout and, yeah. and very green and yeah. and you know is probably the only person who'll be able to stand up to some of the lobbies who are going to be fighting against yes. what he needs to do. And on the green issue, that's another thing we've been doing this week, which 
I, I think it's it's been really, really important that we've been here. So today in the plenary, we will have a vote on the European Parliament passing a resolution saying that there is a climate emergency, just yes. like many national governments, including our own, have done. And surprisingly, this has caused quite a lot of upset amongst some people. So, uh, Can I interject? Yeah. I want to make the point that this is a Renew Europe-led motion. This isn't a Green-led motion. This is Renew Europe, the Liberals in Europe, saying we need to declare a climate emergency. But back to the controversy... Right, so this was negotiated by a Finnish MEP and a French MEP um, and heavily supported by us Brits within the group. Um, And yet there were several people in the group, mainly Germans and some Czechs, who didn't want to use the word emergency. And we have had hours of debate. I mean, (laughs) hours got quite heated (laughs) about whether we should call it an emergency. And their argument was that... For linguistic reasons, for historical German reasons, the word emergency is very difficult for them and they didn't want to use it. And and, an emergency uh, implies panic and fear. And and we were saying, look, this is is the phrase that's used. This is what governments all over the place are using. And and people talk about a climate emergency. And we believe it is an emergency. We need to start doing something really, really soon, (laughs) doing serious work to get carbon emissions down. and if this isn't an emergency, See, then what, what is? is? So we think we've got there and we think that the vote will pass today. You can. We're talking to you on Thursday. The vote is later this morning. So check back um, on our Twitter feeds and you will find out whether or not the vote passed. Yeah, I think it might be close, but I think it'll yeah. pass. Um, I, hope so. I hope so. The word urgency just kills me because it just isn't an English word, really. Yes, it's one of those words that's sort of a franglais yeah. Brussels European Parliament word. Everybody thinks it's a real word and I kept saying it's not a word in English. Yes. I've had a lot of discussions while we're talking about words about I'm doing my first piece of legislation. Not going to go on about it here. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, And so I'm trying to set the strategic innovation agenda for the European Institute of Innovation and Technology. This legislation has the word synergy every page, every every paragraph. And to me, the word synergy is interesting. It's useful. It's a nice word. But if you're trying to be specific, does synergy mean co-funded? Does it mean sharing mentors and support? Does it mean um, uh, an exchange of ideas? And for me, as I read through, the word synergy implies something different every so often. I tried to raise this in the industry committee because it came up there. Oh, my Lord, I nearly got squashed by the... um, Everybody knows what synergy means. (laughs) And apparently it means all of those things variously at different times. I'm not sure I even really know what synergy means. Take it out, Judith. I will take it out. Take that red pen. (laughs) Yes, yes. And this is what we have the chance to do. So there are more important things than um, than synergy. Can I talk about this legislation a tiny moment? Just a, a tiny, tiny bit. bit. Yeah. Tiny bit. So basically, the Institute of Technology, um, Innovation and Technology is a bizarre organisation. It's not like a university. It's a huge network of um, knowledge information centres around Europe. And from those centres, they spread out into co-location centres. But it's businesses and education and research all working together 
to come up with ideas and systems and products that will benefit European, well, anybody's society, that will benefit society. Mm. Um, and I suppose what I'd say is if any of you out there are studying in connection with the EIT or working at a KIC or a business who's a partner with a knowledge information centre, write to us because... I'd love to hear from you. I've got this legislation going over the next uh, week or two and then it'll linger on into the new year. So I want your opinions because it would be very useful to um, hear from you and hear from people who are involved. Excellent. Not sure I really follow any of that, but um, I'm sure <laughs> Judith will explain it to us more as we go. Oh, I could explain it for hours. Oh, I have to say that Judith and I have both had a birthday this week and yes. our lovely colleagues took us out last night for yes. dinner. And um, it started with some incredibly sweet, bubbly, yes. white German Moscato. wine. I'm not sure what oh, that was. That was sweet. But the... Um, you know how in a British restaurant quite often they'll bring you a bit of cake with a candle in? Well, this being Strasbourg, <laughs> they brought us um, melon-flavoured vodka with a candle. Oh, yeah, in, a candle in a beer mat, balanced on the top. Balanced on the top of the glass, yes. yeah. So one felt obliged to drink the melon-flavoured <laughs> vodka. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think this morning it's uh, yes. you know, taken its toll a little bit. Anyway, yes. so back to what's happening in the UK. Um, you may have noticed there's an election on... Um, a poll came out, which was featured on to the Today programme this morning. Um, I would say that there was possibly a little bit of BBC bias in the way they reported it. So it went something along the lines of Boris Johnson is predicted to get a majority of about 60 seats. Oh, but there is a margin of error, which is about 60 seats. Now, as an ex-journalist, if I'd been reporting <laughs> that, I think I would have said this election could... He could go either way. Yeah. You know, he may yeah. get no, he may win yes. no new seats at all, or yeah. he may win 60, yeah. but we can't call it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, but that you're right. That is not how, how it was reported. I mean, they mentioned the margin of error, but it was very much, yes, it looks like yeah. he's on for a majority. And, and he isn't, guys. He isn't. I've... Keep campaigning. Everything is very tight in many places, but there is a margin of error. Of 60 seats. Yeah, and I think the one thing that is really, really important to keep stressing is that the, the national polls do not show local variations. Yes. And we are seeing in the seats where we were expecting to do well and hoping to do well, we are still, our vote is really holding up. You know, we're not at 13%. We're, yeah. we're way over 20% in some seats. Yes. And, and, and looking yes. set in, to cause some real upsets. In Oxford, West and Abingdon, we're on 37 38%. Fantastic. So I'm just going to do a shout out to all the seats in the southwest who are working so hard to prevent a Boris Johnson majority. And let's just reiterate why we are trying to do that. If Boris Johnson gets a majority on December the 12th, he can usher through a hard Brexit with no opposition and then spend the next five years destroying our public services and our NHS. And we have to stop that happening. This is so important. This is not just about the next five years. This is about the direction our country is going to take for generations. Yeah. And we have to prevent a majority. Yeah. So from the tip of the country going up, we've got St Ives, North Cornwall, Totnes, North Devon, Wells, Yeovil, Taunton Dean, North East Somerset, Cheltenham, Thornbury and Yate, Mid Dorset and Northpool and Chippenham. 
And I have probably missed a couple, but in all those seats, we're working really, really hard. We've got campaigners out in the rain and the dark and the cold. And I just want to give you all a massive shout out and say, well done. And what a brilliant, brilliant effort you're all making. And we're rooting for you. And I am going to try my best over the next 12 days to get round as many of those seats as I can and see you all again. Yep. And in the southeast, where I managed to see six seats in the southeast uh, last week, which was fantastic. I'm massively impressed by the number of you who are coming out campaigning. Seriously, I mean, it's like every target seat is treating it as a by-election, which makes such a difference, guys. I mean, if you are a Lib Dem, you know that where you work you win. And this is one hell of a well-worked election. Um, so I'm going to run through the list that I have here. Um, Buckingham, where we have the guy who started the European movement, Stephen Dorrell. So a shout out to all of the campaigners in Buckingham. Oxford, Western Abingdon, Wantage, Whitney, Eastbourne, Eastleigh, Isham Walton, Guildford, Lewis, where Ollie Henman is just doing, he's getting fantastic results on the doorstep. Mole Valley, Portsmouth South, Romsey and Southampton North, Southwest Surrey, Tunbridge Wells, Winchester and Wokingham, where we are within a hair's breadth of getting rid of John Redwood which would, I think, be quite an achievement. So between the two of us, we've got John Redwood, Dominic Raab and Jacob Rees-Mogg. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's a great campaign running in North East Somerset against Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. Um, if, if anybody wants to see Jacob Rees-Mogg not return to Parliament, please go for the day to North East Somerset and help Nick Coates because that'll just be a Portillo moment yes. and it'll be a joy to watch. And you don't worry if you've never done it before, just... Look up your local group, and I'm talking to the Remain Alliance here. You know, talk, go, go to your local, look up your local Remain Alliance candidate, whether it's Green or Lib Dem, find out where they are, give them a ring or turn up. Find them on Facebook. People are knocking on doors, but they're also bundling leaflets and they're making phone calls and they're using the data and they're sticking state boards in all over the place. I am not seeing many conservative state boards. No, we did nearly 400 miles last week and I think I saw two, which is quite surprising. Yeah, and those huge ones in the southwest, you get these massive ones <coughs> in the farmers mm. in the fields. Um, and either they're not putting them up yet or they're don't just not putting ideas. them up. But, uh, yeah, don't <laughs> give my ideas. Them. Can I just say two people who I met last week, and this pleases me, this is happening on both sides. So one was a lady on the doorstep who, through gritted teeth, she's voting Lib Dem. She said, I am a Labour supporter, I am still Labour, but I will vote Lib Dem to shift the Tory incumbent. They want to get, they want to stop Brexit, she does, and she wants to get the Conservative out for that reason. And then I went up the road to do an AGM in Bexhill and was introduced to the Tory mayor who has just joined the Liberal Democrats. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he said, really hard. You know, this guy was a, a faithful Tory. But he said, I can't, I cannot support this government that is going to drag Britain into so much trouble. Wow. So, guys, they're still coming to us from both sides. Keep on working. I think that's it from us for this week. It's gone too quickly. Um, time to get into the chamber, do some votes, get on the plane, get on the train, get home to the UK <laughs> and... Get outside with those leaflets and... Get out with those leaflets, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Do a bit yes. of door knocking. 
So as usual, you can find us on all our social media. I'm Caroline Bowden. I'm Judith Bunting LD on Twitter, Judith underscore Bunting on Instagram. Um, and have a look. We've got some lovely videos from our European colleagues. Um, if you haven't found the one from Vlad Botos from um, Romania, go find him. He's fantastic. But a lot of them are just giving support out to the campaigners, not to the Liberal Democrats particularly, not to us personally, but to you guys who are working on the doorsteps to stop Brexit. Thanks for listening. And we will be back in Strasbourg after the general election. So we've got an extra, another Strasbourg session just before Christmas. And that's when we'll all be back together and we will do a quick podcast from there. And by then, we'll know what's happened. So happy campaigning. Happy campaigning. Bye.